Arizona is a unique place full of stories, folklore, and Wild West chicanery. From KJZZ's original productions, Untold Arizona explores some of these stories you probably haven't heard about the Grand Canyon State. I'm Tiara Vian, here with two Arizona tales recorded before the pandemic last year. Arizona's mountains, cinder cones, and lava fields attest to the state's wild geological youth. But those with an ear to the ground know the state's seismic days are far from over. Nicholas Gerbis explains. In May 1887, a magnitude 7.6 earthquake struck Arizona from across the Mexico border just south of Douglas. Newspapers, letters, and other documents reveal the Pitacachi quake shook an area extending from Prescott to Yuma to El Paso, Texas, says Dave Brumbaugh of the Earthquake Center in Flagstaff. The uh, surface fracturing and movement was recorded over a distance of about 41 kilometers and had several segments to it. Those segments totaled a rupture measuring more than 60 miles. Though history records no Arizona deaths, the quake killed as many as 60 people in Mexico. Jerry Young Ben Horan with the Seismic Network of the Arizona Geological Survey describes the damage. A lot of um, rock slides and cracked uh, foundations and buildings and that sort of thing. Within Arizona, at least 20 quakes of magnitude 5 or higher have struck since 1850. Although we barely shimmy compared to California, tremors assault our state more often than most. If we look at, say, just the magnitude 3.0s and higher, and we compare that to other states, we're about um, in between... 11th and 14th place. Quake estimates present several problems. We only record the quakes we detect, and lower magnitude quakes happen exponentially more often than powerful ones. Ben Horan estimates several hundred quakes happen each month, and a magnitude 4 or 5 quake crops up every eight years or so. ASU geologist Ramon Aerosmith led a study that measured 600 earthquakes in 19 months. But most of them were small. They were ones and twos. And so they weren't felt by people in general, but they showed these same zones of activity. Those zones include the Arizona Seismic Belt, which swoops diagonally from the northwest near St. George, Utah, through Tonto National Forest and east toward New Mexico. Here, quakes in the 3 to 5 range occur every 10 years, mostly in the north. We have very large faults in the north part of the state that are capable of generating up to magnitude 6.9 to 7.1. Case in point, a group of quakes that struck within 25 miles of downtown Flagstaff in 1906, 1910, and 1912. Felt across northern Arizona, they ranged from 6.0 to 6.2. Chimneys were shaken down, crockery fell, clocks stopped, school children panicked. The 1912 quake likely originated on the 25-mile Lake Mary Fault Zone that runs from south of Mormon Lake to southern Flagstaff. The Lake Mary Fault is the most serious earthquake threat to the city of Flagstaff that we have. Today, much concern focuses on the faults bordering the lake, which stores much of the city's water. We've been trying to get this message out to county and city emergency managers for 10 years that I've been working here and longer since other people have worked for the survey. Elsewhere in the north, a 4.7 quake on the Oak Creek Fault sent aftershocks across the state. The Big and Little Chino faults lie north of Jerome, and heading south, smaller faults crop up near Horseshoe Dam, Carefree, and Gila Bend. A lot of them don't look very active, but they still have the capability of generating moderate to larger earthquakes. 
Phoenicians might recall the 4.1 quake north of Black Canyon City that shook the valley in 2015. Of course, all the jokes were that it was just a few saguaros fell down, but it, it definitely gets people's attention. Farther south, Yuma has the Algodones Fault, which hugs the fringes of the San Andreas system. Also in southern Arizona, around uh, south of Tucson, there's a big fault called the Santa Rita Fault, and that leaves a step in the foothills. So what causes these quakes? It's complicated. Some stem from local forces, others from 30-million-year-old regional influences. I think that a lot of the uh, earthquakes that we get up here, for instance, in the northern Arizona seismic belt, are the result of the continued expansion of the crust of the Earth. Penetrating Arizona's often hidden seismic history takes field work, detective work, and educated guesswork. It depends on detections that themselves depend on energy, depth, direction, distance, and local geology. Surprises still lurk. A seemingly dormant fault need not stay that way forever. And even if they don't look like they're that active, say 100,000 years, they're still capable of generating large events. In earthquakes, as in life, timing is everything. Nicholas Gerbis, KJZZ News, Phoenix. Next up, the town of Guadalupe is wedged between Interstate 10 and the city of Tempe. If you've never visited, you've most likely zoomed past it. Kathy Ritchie takes us to Guadalupe. Guadalupe is tiny, less than a square mile, but it's probably best known for Our Lady of Guadalupe Catholic Church, a smallish white adobe building not too far from the bustling I-10. But this story isn't about that church. This story is about the community, their history, and their future. Valerie Molina is Guadalupe's mayor. On this day, she's at the Mercado de Guadalupe, which is like the town square to celebrate Navidad in Guadalupe. She says Navidad in Guadalupe has been happening since she was a little girl. But this is only the third time the town has partnered with the Pascuayaki tribe. Molina says about half of the 6,700 residents or so are members of the tribe. The other half identify as Hispanic of Mexican descent. However, Molina and many others identify as both. You know, my, myself, I'm half and half. My father is a member of the tribe, so am I. And my mom is Mexicana, so I have best of both worlds. Worlds that she says are very similar in some ways and very different in other ways, like how life events are celebrated, such as a wedding or funeral. And we all co-mingle together. You know, a lot of people think, oh, Guadalupe is a reservation, but we're not. You know, Guadalupe is actually just a regular municipality like everybody else. Like Tempe. Like Tempe, like Chandler, like Phoenix. But that wasn't always so. Antonia Campoy is a Pascuayaki tribal council member. She grew up in Guadalupe. Well, since I was a little girl, we used to go out to outhouses. The streets were dirt. And our backyard was the South Mountain. That was before the freeway came through, she says. But Guadalupe's history goes back more than 100 years. Oh, yes. Um, Guadalupe was actually started by the Yaqui people. We were granted 40 acres by President Wilder Wilson. That was in 1914, but the original Salt River Valley Yaqui community was formed in 1904. Though the Yaquis had been in the area even before that, according to Leah Glazer, a history professor at Central Connecticut State University. She wrote her thesis about Guadalupe and the Yaqui people when she was a graduate student at ASU. So back to those 40 acres. Despite having a presence in Arizona, the tribe did not have a permanent settlement. So this is all mixed up with, you know, Phoenix getting the Roosevelt Dam and irrigation. And the Kent Decree came out 
which was a way of um, establishing what lands were going to be part of the land that was going to be irrigated through Roosevelt Dam. And the section of land that is now Guadalupe was not. Therefore, unirrigable land in the 19th century and the early 20th century was considered useless land. Which meant no farming, no way to acquire real wealth, says Glazer. And that has consequences that linger to this day. So let's circle back to Mayor Molina. She and her vice mayor, Ricky Vital, were first elected four years ago in one of the biggest elections a town had seen. I think the community was looking for someone that was not going to be afraid to make the hard choices. And that's what we've been faced with is... I don't stand still for so long that it was just like, okay, we need a fresher breath of air to come into the town and make the changes that need to happen and not be afraid of backlash from the community. Still, change can be scary, even if it's necessary. We hear a lot of, well, that's just how it's been done. But for us, it's like, yes, we understand that's how it's been done, but is it really benefiting us to do it that way? How about we try this way? Guadalupe is one of Phoenix's poorer areas. In fact, this year, the town's expenses are projected to exceed revenues, according to Guadalupe's town manager. But Molina and Vital are trying to change that by spurring economic development and forming partnerships with organizations like Local First Arizona to teach people how to be entrepreneurs. It's a job that could take years, and it's one reason why Vital, along with Vanessa Bustos, run Luturia, an organization geared toward kids in middle and high school. Busu says every year Luturia members develop a strategic plan with goals. This year they have three subcommittees. One is preserving the culture and language, and the other one is the environment, cleanups, um, beautification, and the third one is family support. And the hope is these kids will one day step up and pick up where Molina, Vital, and other community members leave off to preserve what makes Guadalupe so special to the people who live here. Kathy Ritchie, KJZZ News, Phoenix. Thanks for listening to KJZZ's Untold Arizona. I'm Tiara Vianne. This episode was produced with help from Sky Shout. There are plenty of pictures, videos, maps, and more at untold.kjzz.org. Do you have an untold Arizona story of your own? Drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using the hashtag untoldarizona. And check out our Facebook group where you can connect to more people who love a good Arizona tale as much as you do. Did you like this podcast? Please subscribe and rate it wherever you're listening. And if you're looking for more Arizona news and storytelling, visit podcasts.kjzz.org or search for KJZZ wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked this episode, help us tell even more great stories. Head over to donate.kjzz.org to contribute. This is a KJZZ original production. Until next time, thanks for listening.